Keep the devices in your home protected from Wi-Fi threats with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. And now you can get advanced security for free when you get the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Courageous Recovery Broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 20-minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm so glad you're here. Today, it's just a, a huge blessing for me to have my new friend, Elizabeth Meredith, on, and, and she's got a powerful, powerful story and testimony. You're just going to be blown away by by the accomplishments that, that Elizabeth has made. It's always great to see that we have people joining this broadcast literally from coast to coast and around the globe with listeners in 21 or 22 countries now. I just want to say thank you for taking time from your busy schedules to connect. There should be a, a box for you to subscribe or if there's a chat box if you're on Facebook, please just comment with any thoughts. For more information, you can go to my personal website, which is randymortensen.com. That's Randy, last name Mortensen, is M-O-R-T-E-N-S-E-N.com. Later in the show, I'll talk more about the 21-point assessment. That's a tool on that site to determine whether you or a loved one qualifies for one of my programs called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. So as, as I mentioned, my guest today is, is Lizbeth, and, and I understand, Liz, you were sharing with me earlier that your friends call you Liz, but we're going to call you Lizbeth today because you're, you're, a, you're an award-winning author and a speaker and a, and a teacher, and you've, you've just got a ton of background working on probation and domestic violence and, and advocacy and and some of that is because of your past turbulent life. Is that accurate? That is so accurate. <laughs> and and thank you for taking time, Elizabeth, from your busy schedule. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, she lives in the beautiful state of Alaska uh, near her two grown daughters. So, Elizabeth, my guests know that, that my usual first question is this. What is there that you know today that you wish your 22-year-old self would have known? That is such a wonderful way to start. I <laughs> wish so much, at, even before 22. By 22, I was already married, but I wish at 20 and 21 that I would have understood that I was enough and that I didn't need to look to someone else to make me feel good or fulfilled about myself, that I was wow. not perfect, but that I was enough. Wow, wow that I'm good enough because with some of the with some of the younger ladies that you're working with what what are you seeing from them that that would that would cause you to say that i mean what do you what what are you seeing in that 18 to 30 year old that self esteem issues or personality issues or what are you seeing these days i still see what i the kind of thing that i went through too as a young woman which was I was raised to be pleasing. I was raised to 
have a certain rule and to, you know, not want to have conflict and not be assertive and to not have the confidence in who I was as much as who I pleased. Kind of being raised as a pleaser. And I feel like that's still something that goes on with some females. They're more concerned about things that kind of don't matter, such as looks and um, superficial fun and things like that. And, And young women are still not taking confidence in things that are of substance and things of character and strength and therefore are looking, I think we still raise little girls with the fairy tale that someday she'll be chosen to be married. And that's lovely when they meet that right person. When they don't, it's a disaster. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And and how long has your book been out? It was released in 2016, the end of 2016. So just had its fourth birthday. Okay. Okay. Just a fourth birthday. And what is there in the book that, that as someone is reading it, what, what just really jumps out at them? What are, what are people saying that, that really made an impact on their lives? I thank you for asking that. One thing I heard last week from a lawyer that I know, he started recommending it to his female clients, but he said it wasn't filled with self-pity. It wasn't a blame game of a book, but it just gave some mind shift and perspective to what people need to be able to make a transition in their life. It's a lot about, it's not about being independent and having all the answers and feeling super strong on my own, but rather finding safe people to consult with, to be mentored by, or to ask for help. And it's amazing what happens when we have good supports or when we can find good supports. The barriers can drop quickly when all of us lift one another up. And so that's, I think, something that was an important message in the book. And I I was a young, stubborn person who grew up in a very turbulent household and who literally thought that my judging my parents, and I did that daily, um, but that my youthful judgments about how chaotic and how domestic violence had torn up a couple of few unions in uh, our family's history and that there was a parental kidnapping. And I remember thinking, I will never be divorced. I will never be someone who subjects my kids to domestic violence. I will never be that parent who steals my kids away from one parent without knowing the other. You know, I'm going to be different, not doing any of the work. It's a lot of work to change dysfunctional patterns that are that we inherit. Sometimes you can't just wish it away. (laughs) So I didn't do any of the work and made things about 10 times worse than anyone could have gambled on. Yeah, yeah. So as so as you went into marriage, then what what were the things that were most damaging to 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 yourself and in to to just the marriage? Was did you marry somebody that was abusing drugs or alcohol? Can you give it a little overview on that? Absolutely. I married someone. First of all, I didn't know myself very well back then. That, you know, I married him after just a few months and I didn't know myself well as a young person where I might have realized that I was intended to be a crazy cat lady. 
But I didn't know that about myself. <laughs> I didn't know him, of course, after just three months. I couldn't know the real person. And so I married someone who was a bit older than me. Um, and yes, it turned out that he did abuse substances. And that did not create him to make him to be an abusive person. And that's kind of evidenced over a lot of different things with him that eventually when he allegedly sobered up, he's still not very nice to the women in his life. But it just was out of control for me. I did not know him. Next thing I did know, there were some common things that happened to me that happened that I hear from other people in abusive relationships. I was feeling isolated from friends. Suddenly, no friend was good enough. He didn't like them. He didn't agree with their influence. I didn't need to go to that job. It wasn't important enough for me. Oh, my family was crazy. And if he left me, no one else would have me. And so if the only person in your life is saying pretty horrifying things about you, and you don't have anyone counterbalancing those messages to say you're not perfect at all, don't get me wrong, but you are worthy of love and you're still a work in progress and don't buy into those horrible messages. It's just much more easy to fall subject, even for you know people who have good self-esteem maybe initially. It's easy for people to get sucked into those messages, to believe them and to spiral into hopelessness. Well, and and any of us that work in that whole addictions realm uh, and, and me, you know, with sobriety, I've been fortunate enough to accumulate. I remember I was that guy that, that I could, I could make you feel guilty or make you feel shameful by what I would say. And, and verbal abuse is, is, I don't know that I would go so far as say it's every bit as bad as physical abuse because I don't think it is, but, it's horrible. And, and when, when a man, a spouse is putting their loved one through that, um, it no good comes of it. And then like you were saying earlier, then it has a huge detrimental impact on children that are witnessing it. Right. Are you seeing that in your work? Absolutely. When I was a young parent, when I finally left my husband, people used to tell me, you're so lucky. They're very young. They'll never be impacted by it. They'll never remember it. And what we came to learn later, much later, is that research bears out that even children in utero respond to the stress of even verbal abuse. Even that kind of thing has a great impact on a child and their ability to self-soothe later on. And there's your cat. No, sorry. It's <laughs> Oliver, and he just needed to be a part of this. And uh, anyway, it, it has a great impact on their ability to learn, to self soothe, to connect later, to feel safe in their life. Yeah. And so uh, my children definitely were impacted. But as a young parent, I like to buy into the messages. They'll never remember it, it'll never affect their lives. You know, they'll be fine. And it really needed th- that was some scar tissue that needed addressing. Well, and I've, I've even heard and seen some research that talks about our tendency for substance use or, or, or even abuse of another person. Many of those characteristics and the psychological impact be from birth right. until age six, even many of those psychological decisions are already formed in the, those first five, six, seven years of your life based mm-hmm. on your environment. 
Right. It is, it's amazing how impactful those years are. And that doesn't mean it's hopeless, right, but right, we have right. to be cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I became an adverse childhood experiences study trainer at my work for new employees. And when people look at aces.org online and look at the, what even the government now will tell you is that children's health is impacted. If we don't allow them to be safe and to have someone to talk to and work through some of the scar tissue, wow. if they're exposed to chronic violence, even verbal violence, it wow. will have an impact and it's not a good one. Wow. Okay. Well, let, let me take a break here just for a second to, to remind the listeners that I do offer an eight-week program titled the Lifestyle Champion Cohort, where we use Zoom technology to do a weekly 90-minute meeting. And the first 30 minutes is teaching. There are three phases of the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. The first phase is evaluate. And that's where the 21-point assessment that, that you'll find on my website comes into play. If you uh, if your results show that, that you're a mild or a moderate case of substance use disorder, then you're certainly eligible for my program. If, if you test to be a severe, then I do have other people in, in my network that I would refer you to that I know have, have great programs and, and results. For more information, what you can do is just text CHAMPION to 66866. That's CHAMPION to 66866. And like I said, uh, to see if you qualify, go to randymortenson.com, download the 21-point assessment. And then uh, also when you enroll in the course, just mention LCC, that's Lima Charlie Charlie. That that will entitle you to a 35% discount when you sign up for, for my course. So, Elizabeth, I know that after hearing your story, people are going to want to buy your book. How do they do that? What's the title of your book and how, how do they purchase your book? Well, I appreciate that. My book is available on audiobook as well, and it's titled Pieces of Me, Rescuing My Kidnapped Daughters. And it's available wherever books are sold. Of course, they'd have to be ordered through brick and mortar bookstore. And it's certainly available on Amazon as well. And your website is what? LAMeredith.com. L-A-M-E-R-D-E. L-A-M-E-R-E-D-T-I-T-H. Okay. I just right, spelled my com. own name wrong. <laughs> M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. Sorry. Dot com. And I'll... I'll definitely send you that link where I have a blog. I also keep my events, speaking events and other events and will be, and you can sign up for my newsletter there, which I will be a little more faithful to as I retire later this month. Perfect. 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 You're too young to retire. Thank you. Well, I will yeah. not retire, retire, but I will retire from government work and I'm so excited. Thank you. Right. Right. Well, in, in pieces of me, your, your memoir, pieces of me rescuing my kidnapped daughters. Yes. So share with our listeners a little bit about that journey, your kidnapped daughters. It's a perfect time to have this conversation. And if I could just say that I'm also launching a a digital course on Teachable this month in the topic of domestic violence and how to help when someone you love is being abused. But I think a lot of time people like myself believe that the happy ending to an abusive relationship is when the victim gets smart and leaves. And unfortunately, I believed that. I thought, you know what? I'm going to be that victim that doesn't go back and forth and back and forth. 
yes, I was on public assistance briefly, was in a shelter with my children, all of that, but I won't complain too loud and I'm going to get my schooling and go to work and keep my nose uh, to the books and, and focused. And what I didn't realize is when someone leaves a volatile relationship, sometimes that imbalance of power, they've taken their own power back, is so threatening to the person that was abusing them that there are many unintended consequences. So more women, as an example, and I would think this would be true for men as well, but are killed just before or just after leaving an abusive relationship. For me, it was worse than death. Um, I, the, the stronger I became personally, I was 25, turning 26 when I left him, my former husband. And when I got an education, he got super upset. When I got a job, he became more upset. And the children suffered for it when he would visit them, which was sporadic. Right. And then one day, four years after I left him, he disappeared out of country with the children and I couldn't, I made $10 an hour. That was a $100,000 problem to get internationally abducted children to come back home. And I, it took the help of friends and strangers across the globe. People I'd never met did things for me that I still to this day think what a miracle. Wow. What an incredible miracle. People in Greece were fabulous. So many of them. So you, um, you, but, you shared earlier, your daughters were four and six, and it was four so years after yeah. you had separated. That's right. And, and is it okay for us to say where he took them to? Yes. Or yes. No? Okay. Absolutely. Um, and I talk about it in the book. He took the girls to Greece, and he didn't take them because he wanted to visit with them. He took it as a punishment to me, and then he disappeared from them. And so they lived in hiding and sometimes would go days without seeing him but they didn't have anyone else to take care of them. Wow. So it was brutal for them. It was absolutely brutal. By the time we reunited, my kids did not speak English anymore, but the things they had gone through, they weren't able to unpack until they felt safe. They're in their thirties now. They're just starting to talk about some of the things that happened. And then, so the mystery of, you're in Alaska, right? Your daughters are in Greece. You have no hint where they are in the world. Well, right? I didn't. I assumed that he would. He was from Greek. He was a Greek and American citizen. I assumed that he would go home to family. I just didn't have evidence of that, and it took a good while to get that. But Got I it. did make that assumption. Where in Greece? I didn't know. I had a failed trip where we. I hired an investigator. And went to get the kids, but instead there was an, a misstep that happened with our government quite by accident, and he went further into hiding. Then they lost again their schooling. They went further to a place they'd never been and were isolated wow. in a fishing village. They couldn't go out wow. and play. They didn't have friendships and toys and those things. These were kids living in hiding. Wow. And how, when you finally got them home, Explain what what were the feelings when you finally got them? You know, because I, I I I'm guessing you went through all kinds of immigration, custody issues, and right. and so on. What how how do you how how do you explain how do you explain how you felt when you finally got them home? Well, and I don't 
want to put a sad spin on this, but I, I personally, we were so overjoyed. We, we received a hero's welcome because someone had told our local news station that we were coming home and it had been a big case in the press locally. So the news cameras met us at the airport. I didn't know that was going to happen. And that was actually a little terrifying. And then we had a few hours before my former husband started calling in threats. What I realized when we got home was now the hard work began. Okay. And I was not mistaken. That was hard, hard work. It was of language. It was of poverty and unpaid bills. It was of trauma. It was of more fighting for custody. He still had the audacity to fight for federal custody. It was hard, but you know what? The thing is, we didn't do it alone. We couldn't have. And if it happened today, people are so camped up thanks to social media and our own self. I mean, I have to say, I think people think of each other as to the left or to the right. And sometimes we forget that good grief, we are humans. But this was before the internet. This was before all of that, where someone might share my sad story on Facebook and then walk away from it, where people literally said, how can we help? What can we do? That's awesome. Um, it was amazing. People I would have never expected showed up in a huge way. And it was something that when things got really rough over the years that we would always come back to those images and memories that people who had nothing to gain gave until it hurt and were proud to wow. do so. Wow. And that's that's what what we talk about a lot is, is that's true community then. <laughs> When we care for each other, when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked and house the homeless, that's, you know, my, my Christian upbringing says that's what the church is all about. Right. That is, that is it. That is exactly right. That is what we need to be doing for each other. And we would all have such a better sense of hope and connection and belonging. Right. So what would you say to that 30 year old mom who's just, has no hint what she can do next. She's got, she's got an abusive husband that shows up sometimes and has a couple of kids. What would you say to encourage that mom that's, that's listening to this today? Where is there hope? Is it, are there resources available? Even in the time of COVID, there are resources available. And that's such a great question. No one needs to be all alone in their abuse experience. And so if they called even, if they had an opportunity to be alone for a second, 1-800-799-SAFE. If they went online and looked under their community's name, let's say it was Kansas City and domestic violence resources, ever so quickly erasing their cookies or whatever their cash, whatever they need to do later. But knowing that they don't have to have a decision long-term about what to do right away, but that they can reach out for support. And the best part about getting support from a a place where they have expertise in this is that there isn't the judgment that comes from family and friends, the eye rolling, the again, you're going back, or oh, you're not leaving. Oh, you are leaving. Have you thought about forgiving and forgetting? There isn't that. There should not be that. There, there are resources available to get more information and support, but every person deserves to be treated well. Right. And there is hope. And I do believe that each person, if they were able to access the support and the resources, even on Zoom, even online, they'll make their own best choice. I can't right. ever tell a person, you need to leave or you need to stay because I don't live with the outcome. 
but Understood. I have great hope. And uh, the other part of that, though, is that children are definitely, definitely impacted yeah. by what they're seeing and hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, believe it or not, I need to wrap up here. So the the shocking thing for many people is the the rate of overdose are are increasing. They've tripled since 1990. Right now here in the United States, we're seeing more than 130 overdose deaths each day. It's costing the American economy almost $800 billion annually. So please, if you know someone who's struggling today, or maybe that person who's battling compulsive behavior is you, don't wait another day to seek help. You can reach out to me at 321-757-HOPE. My office number is 321-757-HOPE, or call someone you know and trust. As Elizabeth said, there are resources available. Please know there are, there are people that want to help because those who are dying today are husbands, wives, sons, and daughters of someone who loves them. Today's the day. As I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in more information on, on my programs, just text CHAMPION to 66866, CHAMPION to 66866. And I hope you found this information helpful today. You can look for the replay of this to be available on the usual podcast online outlets like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and others. So, Elizabeth, in closing, any words of encouragement that you'd like to share? Well, Jess, I have so loved having this conversation today. And thanks, everyone, for allowing me to be a part of their community. And feel free to come over to my my website on my newsletter and become a part of mine. I've loved this. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we sign off, I just want to say have a blessed day and be extraordinary today. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help fund your child's dreams and ideas. But it's not just for college. It's also the trade school savings plan and the books and materials savings plan, even the room and board savings plan. With fewer educational expenses to think about, your kids can focus on what matters, their future. Start saving today to support your child's tomorrow. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. Where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this, you get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair 